Welcome to the FNO InsureTech Podcast, a place where movers and shakers from all points within the insurance ecosystem gather and discuss all things InsureTech. We talk about how technology and innovation are affecting and driving change in the industry. Here are your hosts, Lee Boyd and Rob Beller. Hey, podcast world. Welcome to another international edition. Yes, those are my favorite. FNO InsureTech. Yes, that's right. Today on FNO InsureTech, we are, first of all, Lee and I are back from San Antonio. Yes, we are. In the beautiful state of Tejas. Man, there's some good Mexican food down there. I had some great Mexican comida. (laughs) I don't know what that is. That would be food. Oh. Mm -hmm. In the hood. We shared fajitas and, and awful service. We paid $47 for a plate of fajitas that wasn't as big as the plate of fajitas you get at Taco Bell. No, it wasn't very big. The service kind of went downhill. Uh-huh. Um, it, it wasn't our best I- experience. That aside, we loved San Antonio. We loved it. Mi amor, San Antonio. Huh? It goes <laughs> on. There's more. I hope not. We saw many friends. We d- we're back from PLRB. For those of us in property claims, PLRB is a big, huge event for us. It's, it's our big event. And our team at Alacrity, uh, we sent about 15 people or so to San Antonio, Texas to attend PLRB. And we had a great time and saw a lot of people that we haven't seen, some for probably three years. Right, Lee? Uh, yes, absolutely. It was wonderful to walk down the halls and to see old friends that we hadn't seen in a long time, uh-huh. but to be able to pick up right where we left off. Uh-huh. Lots of hugging. Today we have with us Andy Yeoman, who's the co-founder and CEO of Concerus, a really interesting tech-forward company that is going to uh, introduce itself to us today. Yeah, I mean, Andy is going to come and talk about how they use data and AI and machine learning and how they're changing the world of underwriting in the specialty market. And we're going to get to talk to him about um, cargo and, I mean, all sorts of things. I am, I'm excited to talk to him because it's a new way to, to underwrite and it's a way, you know, he's coming in and changing a process that's been done for centuries and centuries. And I'm interested to see how that's going. A very interesting episode that we think you're really going to enjoy. I agree. So, oh, I have a shout out before we get started. What is that, Rob? Our groupie. Yeah. Because we can't say our groupies. No, our, our group. We can only use that in the singular. Our groupie. Astrid. Astrid reached out to me yesterday to share some news. What was that news? Her daughter okay. has been accepted and has decided to attend Stanford wow. as a computer science major beginning in the fall. Wow. Great job. Congratulations. That Congratulations. Is Congratulations. That is that is exciting. That's a life-changing school right there. Big deal. Big deal. Thank you for sharing the news, Astrid. And uh, thank you all for being here with us. And without further ado, let's get to our episode with Andy Yeoman, CEO, co-founder of Consurus. Hey, everybody. We are here with our guests coming to us all the way from offshore, and we'll divulge that location in just a moment. We have the founder and CEO 
of Concirus, Andy Yeoman with us today, joining us from, Andy, where are you from? I am from Londonium. Wow. How fun. How fun. Wow. That How's the weather in London right now? Uh, Jim, it's variable. Today we've had sunshine and we've had ice storms. So oh. it can go It can go either. It's like one of those genuine four seasons in a day kind of things. Yeah. You basically oh take goodness. your entire wardrobe with you when you go to the office. Wow. Uh, any, anything could happen. Wow. Has the weather changed in, I mean, is the weather different in, in England? Like, like you go to places here in, in the States, like Illinois, for example, like, like Chicago. I mean, in the old days, Chicago would have, you know, 10 foot snowbanks every year. And now uh-huh. it doesn't snow so much. Are, are, are you having that in, in England? Well, you in know, London? it's funny. Uh, let me just say that we grow, we, we grow grapes and make wine in England now that we, that we rival the French with. So we recently made a sparkling white wine, which took on the, the, the best of champagne and, and won, much to, their, um, much to their unhappiness. Sure. I would um, imagine. So that, probably, that probably talks to something about climate change. You know, if you can start to grow grapes and make decent wine in the UK, anything's possible. That's like a crazy thought, historically, correct? Absolutely, yeah. It is a crazy thought. Yeah, right. but we're we're you know we're absolutely doing it. Uh-huh. That's it. That's basically and um, and making cheese. There's a big cheese revolution going on in the UK at the moment. Lots of cheese that we're beating the French at their own game. If we just yeah. bake some decent baguettes, we would yeah, never need to cross that thinking. channel. You'd be set <laughs> yeah. and ready. Uh, I tell you, yeah, yeah. Give me, give me garlic, give me snails, and a baguette, and then that's it. We're building a big old wall in the ocean, and we're never crossing it. <laughs> Maybe that's what the three of us need to do on our next podcast is have a culinary fo- podcast. I'd be okay with that. Uh-huh. Yeah, I'm, I count me in. I'm there. Uh-huh. Yeah. Uh, I do the tasting. I'm super good at that. I would, I, I would taste some of it, not all of mm-hmm. it, though. Anyway, enough of that. We digress. We do. Um, Andy, welcome. Thank you so much for joining us. You are the founder or co-founder of Concerus? Uh, there were there was two of us. There's only one of us left. Uh, uh-huh. So I was the co-founder of Concerus. Okay. Yeah. Well, well, welcome and thank you. What time of day is it? It's noon where I am. What time is it? Your time? It is quarter to eight in the evening. Oh my! Quarter it looks very sunny outside too. That's because uh, there's propaganda about it being dark, wet, and rainy in England just to keep uh, <laughs> is keep everybody out. <laughs> Let's jump in and talk about Concerus. Why don't you give us? a minute or two on what Concerus is, what you all do, and, and what the company's about. Sure, absolutely. I'll be glad to. So Concerus is born on the back of two trends that we saw in the market. Number one, that we saw that the world was connecting, yeah, and specifically everything around the assets that were being insured, uh, whether they be cars, trucks, cargo, ships, buildings, etc., they were having sensors and technologies put on those. And buried in all of that data was the behavior of those assets, the how, where, and when they were being used. And candidly, we saw that that data was going to be a better source of data for assessing the risk than the traditional proxies that were used and static or demographic information about it. So rather than rating me on say, how old I am, what profession I do, and where I live when it comes to driving. Actually, if I could see how, where, and when you drove, that would be a much better indicator of risk. So we saw the whole connectivity thing coming together with the Internet of Things. The challenge with the Internet of Things is it creates a vast amount of data. 
Mm-hmm. And actually, the data that you want is buried in that time series. You, know, mm-hmm. you often get data every second. I actually want to know is what's their rate of speeding or acceleration, et cetera. So that's where the second trend that we saw coming together was, which is AI and machine learning, and specifically the ability of algorithms to process that data, extract rating factors, and turn that into risk. So again, in summary, we saw a ton of data coming in and a ton of new technology. And our belief was that all actuaries are going to be data scientists. Not all data scientists will be actuaries, but all actuaries will be data scientists. Mm-hmm. So we saw that there was a need in the markets to be able to, firstly, be able to, to host and house that information, and secondly, be to be able to extract insights and turn that into, into rating factors. So we wanted to connect those two together in the cloud. That's where the name came from, ConCirrus, Cirrus being that thin, wispy cloud. Yeah. We wanted to connect it into, into a platform to allow insurers to access the power of that. And that's what we've been doing now. We've been doing that for about five years. Okay. We have about 25 um, uh, insurance carriers and brokers as our customers. Uh, and you know, candidly, we see our customers outperform the market. If you look at the, the combined ratios of market participants, let's just say in marine and then take a cohort, which is our customers. Our customers outperform the market by 5 to 10 percentage points on combined ratios. And do uh, your customers tie that back to you and your data analysis? We would love it if they tied it directly back, because what we could <laughs> do is go and charge them a whole heap load more money. Um, <laughs> sure. So I, I think that in the markets that we see, in the specialty markets that we serve, things like marine and automotive and cargo, transportation, et cetera, there are external factors as well. So I think it's very difficult to tie uh, to tie things back directly from that lot ratio to, to the use of one tool. What the data and the tool definitely gives you is a, a new discipline. So that's really important. And so they are using this information for underwriting, you said, for specialty type of lines and just kind of go over that again. We're not talking about just regular homes, right? We're, we're talking about cargo ships and big things. It is used across property. We'll, we'll come to that in a moment, but not so much okay. on an underwriting. That's more on the, the automation of uh, first notification of loss. But okay. in our in the underwriting side, they use it on, on, on large assets. So things which go in the subscription market. So things like the ocean going vessels, tracking containers and what's in containers, et cetera. Uh, and I say we we monitor as an by way of example we monitor every commercial vessel in the world where it is every fifteen minutes, and we turn that into behaviour. So how fast has it travelled? Which ports does it visit? Did it anchor up outside a port, etc. And then the real magic occurs in that we we combine in our platform we combine the policies that people have written, the claims that they've had, and combine that with those behaviours to then say actually these behaviours uh, behaviours A, B, and C. They predict to the claim. So it means if I see a fleet of vessels offered to me to ensure that I've never seen them before, I can yeah. go, well, how do they behave? And then what does that behavior tell me about the likelihood of them claiming? Uh, wow. And we see those models, as I say, they, they, you, you can stand them toe-to-toe with the GLMs, general linearized models, uh, that they've been using uh, for years, and they massively outperform them. Yeah, because London has been insuring vessels For centuries and centuries, they have to have a ton of data. But I guess what you're saying is that in the recent years, through the use of IoT, you're able to even outperform all the data that they have? Uh, Yes. I'm I'm hesitant there because your statement is they had a ton of data. The question is whether whether they used all that data. 
I would uh, I would say that and, would be true. Yes. And yeah, so again, the, the the wider trend that we've seen is that, you know, we as an industry, we've changed fundamentally. We've got we've had a situation where we've lived with a paucity of data. We just have never had enough data about the assets that are being insured. And in the last five years, that's that's completely flipped. It's gone yeah. from we've had a not had a quite enough data to we've now got way too much data. And we don't even know much. what to do to do with it yet. And I don't even know how to get on top of it. So what we've done is introduce the tools that allow people to get on top of that data, understand mm-hmm. it, extract meaning from it, and then apply that to decisions. Yeah. And do that in real time. So, so we talked about how we can do better rating, but we also do it quicker as well. So, Do you help with the decisions? Like you're saying, you, you, you help sort and call through this mountain that's exactly what we do. We are all about, so we're not the system of record. We're not the policy management system or the policy management platform. And we're not the claims management platform. We are, the, we are a system of decision. So again, if you look at a point of underwriting, um, yeah, our tools will, will go through an inbox where you've been sent maybe 100 submissions to, that you need to, you, to, to potentially quote on. We'll sort through those 100. We'll, pre, we'll price them. We'll triage that and say, out of those 100, these five, are the ones you should pay attention to because these will improve oh, wow. your loss ratio the best. Yeah. And then when you get into those five, uh, when you get into those five, it will say, this is how, why, how you should price it and this is why. The system will explain why why it's pricing at the prices it is and, and it helps you get to a better decision. So, uh, yeah, so, so it's a combination of better risk selection and more and, and operating that entire thing more efficiently. That is so cool. Does it also spit out recommended rates? It spits out recommended rates. It spits out line sizes because we're a subscription market. It will optimize deductible structures for you. So it really helps. Um, it really helps the underwriter do a better job. It's like this really smart person <laughs> that you yeah. have in underwriting, except it n- never asks for a day off. The easiest analogy, and everyone gets this, is it's a bit like Google Maps. Okay. So Google, if you think of the journey that Google Maps went on, I'm old enough to remember that you know you used to have like an A to Z book where you had to look up where you were going. Yeah. Or yeah. if you're in London, you were a taxi driver, you took a test called the Knowledge. Yeah. I was very experienced. Yeah. And yeah. then back in the late '90s, along came Yahoo, and they put out Yahoo driving directions. Uh, and you know that was great because you could put in where you were going. And it would it would print out a, a, a set of turnings for you. Yeah, you had to drive whilst reading the turnings. That was, <laughs> and it, it would give you some ambiguous things like you know, take ramp to ramp, and, mm-hmm. and if you got lost, it wouldn't help you and things like that. Uh, the next generation of that technology was TomTom. Oh yeah. yeah so TomTom, you put it, put your device on the dashboard. That was great. Yeah. But then you know, so if you took a wrong turn, it'd get you back to the route. It would never change that route. I mean, they could have physically removed the road. Uh, and the TomTom would still want to tend you down there. And then you got trucks stuck under low bridges and cars stuck in rivers. And people would say, well, I, I went that way because the device told me to. You know, it wouldn't apply yeah. any logic to it. But now you've got Google Maps. And Google Maps is great. It gives you options. You know, it says, hey, listen, if you turn left, uh, it's one minute quicker. If you turn right, it's a mile shorter. And you go, actually, I'm going to go straight ahead because there's a Starbucks over there. Other coffee shops are available. Um, but, you know, I'm, I'm going to go that route there. So it gives you choices. But, and the nice thing about driving with that is you never have to worry about being lost. It gets you there. So our mm-hmm. technology is the same. Our technology operates a fundamentally the same principle. It says, hey, listen, if you write this business 
at this premium with this line size and that deductible structure, your loss ratio is going to go from X to Y. But if you write it with this line size and this deductible structure, it'll go from you know, to 89% or whatever. It's up to you. You are the driver here. We are okay. just going to give you the options. If you turn left, it's this. If you turn right, it's this. Uh, and we, uh, so, so, so we very much believe we empower the underwriter rather than replace them. Yeah, I would say that absolutely empowers them where they can make that that choice. Yeah. And so we talked to a lot of companies who use IoT in, in homes and just your regular home. But yep. I'm curious, what data is being captured from from cargo or marine vessels? What what data is being collected that you can actually use in the underwriting world? I just want to add to that. You talked about how assets behave. So mm-hmm. if you could kind of tie those together, I think that'd sure. be great. Sure. So, so the, the, the short answer is that, you know, everything about a vessel these days is monitored. Clearly, we know where it is. Uh, we, we'll, we, can, we can then look at what weather patterns it's, it's sailing through at the time. We can look at what the performance of the engine is, you know, so how's it, what's, what, what's the engine running speed at the time, et cetera, et cetera. Et cetera. And we combine about 50 different data sets about the, 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 marine, the marine environment. And from that, we calculate behaviors. So a simple behavior could be, hey, what speed is it going at? Yeah. Um, how many miles is it covered? Uh, was it tr- how many minutes did it sail at night? How many minutes did it sail in the day? We get about 1,500 of these various parameters from the, from the obvious to the, to the really obtuse. Um, the data science team generates some real strange uh, sort of uh, parameters. So those are what I would call behaviors. Okay. Yeah. Um, the challenge is, as I say, we have about 1,500. The challenge is for a, typically um, an underwriter might use five parameters historically. And you could argue that five is probably too few. 1,500 is definitely too many. Yeah. yeah. So so that's where the AI comes in. The second lot of AI actually figures out which of these parameters are useful. And it turns out that actually predicting the behaviors of a cruise ship in the Caribbean are different from a cruise ship uh, in South China Seas. Yeah. Right. And a, and a bulker in Europe, they all use different factors. So the great thing about it is you have this really complex machine learn model uh, that the system can generate, and it's fully explainable. So right. that's how we generate behaviors, and that's how we use them in the product. So do you ever look at wrecks or things like that that have happened? Like here recently, right? We had a, a boat in the Suez Canal that, that yep. caused a lot of issues. We had a boat that caught on fire and took down you know, a bunch of cars. Do, do, do you ever take that and then feed it back into the system and say, hey, this happened because of these issues? Or do you even you know, maybe look at the records and say, hey, we actually could have caught something like that? Yeah. So, so the, the short answer is yes, but we don't actually, we don't look at it and feed it back in the system. That's what the system learns. I so see. the system, the system looks for which behaviors correlate to claim. And it turns out that not only is behavior a better correlation, yeah, it's also a causation factor. So okay. hey, people that drive too fast in their cars have accidents. People that, that sail in shallow waters run aground. So, so what you can see is you can actually see the behaviors that lead up to claims. So it means that if you see these, if you see these behaviors happening before the claims happen, you have a chance to do something about it. Do you ever remember that Tom Cruise film, Minority Report, with his pre-crime? It's exactly the same principle as that. You just, you just don't have to dress up in leather and jump out of helicopters. If you want to do that, we're fine. Do you keep track of like the captains? 
Like, is John Smith, Captain John Smith, a more dangerous pilot? Like with auto, the car is agnostic. It's safer or more dangerous depending on who's piloting it. That's correct. So we, we, we absolutely do have access to some of that information, but not, but not all of it. Most of it is around the, the, the asset itself. Okay. Uh, as opposed to going down into the the crewing information, that's that's really difficult information to get, and it's obviously sensitive for a whole bunch of reasons. Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. But you know, we live in a strange time. You know, so if you look at one of the accidents recently, where one of the ships ran aground, uh, yeah, this is a ship that's, that that had all of the basic navigation, all of the, sorry, the advanced navigation systems. Uh, and when you look at well, why did it run aground? Well, it ran aground because the crew wanted to make a phone call. Uh, and they needed to get closer to the coast so they could pick up a mobile signal. So they ignored all of the systems uh, and sailed a bit too close to the coast. Uh, yeah, so it's difficult to legislate for those sorts of things. But, but what we do see is our customers using the data to try and head off those claims to say, hey, listen, you're about to go into a port where we've seen these sorts of incidents. So I'm going to give you the information ahead of you getting there. So my next question has as much to do with my ignorance about brokers as it, as it does about um, uh, learning about your product. And that is, it's clear to me, completely understandable why this matters to carriers and how important it would be to a carrier. Yep. But why do brokers, how, how do they, how does a broker use your product or is it in the same way? Yeah, it's, it's, in a, it's, in a, it's a variation on the theme as it were. The neat thing about the technology is from a broker perspective, especially from a carrier perspective, everything that the broker used to declare to you can now be observed. So when they used to say, hey, listen, a really safe fleet, you know, they sail in coastal water, do X, Y, and Z. You know, they don't go to these areas. They do do this. You don't even need to tell me that anymore because I can see that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So it's changed the broking dynamic because now the broker can go engage with their clients or the insured and say, this is what the system will tell you about it. So if I, if I try to represent anything else other than this, um, the market's going to know about it because they already can see your behavior. So it changes the dialogue with their with their customers. So now they can say, hey, listen, compared to your peers, you have a higher accident rate and it's because you have these behaviors. So mm-hmm. now that the brokers are able to sit with them in advance and say, well, I tell you what, let's, let's implement these services and these mitigating sets of uh, consultings or services or whichever, yeah, to, to, to head that off. So when I take your risk into the market, I can say, hey, listen, we know that they have these challenges. We, we all know that. Mm-hmm. But what we've done is we've applied these mitigating set of actions. That's really cool. So, so it helps them on kind of an advisory level to be more uh, better representative of them as they're finding underwriting. You're absolutely right. This to be more proactive and it actually generates, you know, it generates, they're going to make fees out of the broker, but this generates additional fees for the broker as well. That's amazing. You know, I want to talk about climate change real quick. We started off the podcast talking about how weather in different cities is different than it was, you know, years ago. Like here in Texas, we actually get ice now. And uh, every year it seems like we get ice when we used to never get ice. But how does the, how does the, the, machine you have created, right? This, this AI machine learning device, how does it take into account climate change, which is so huge when storms are stronger than they've ever been, winds are stronger, uh, water levels are up and down, you know, what, what are you doing to take into account climate change? Sure. So there's, there's, there's two or three areas and two or three ways that it, it affects us. And we, we can come on to uh, property as well and what that means. But from a, from a marine perspective, uh, this means that a passage like the Northwest Passage going over the, going effectively 
over the top of the planet instead of going around the middle of it, if you like, yeah. um, from a sailing route, that means that new passages are opening up. Uh, and so the, the risks there are, 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 are unknown. You know, if you break down in some of these places, there is no, there's no infrastructure to, 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 to help you out because they're not established sort of sea, sea routes. So, so the system's having to learn what the impact of these, of climate is as it affects, uh, as it affects things like sailing routes and some of the infrastructure services. Uh, that's a that's, that's a different market altogether, right? So we we're we're seeing to your exact point. You know, you have ice storms down in Texas. You see the hurricane seasons starting uh, starting earlier and being more severe in in, in North America. And we're seeing that um, I think it was in 2021. You know, the, the the natural disasters were were on the rise across the U.S. You know, I think one in ten homes was affected in in 2021, and that creates a a huge burden on on insurance companies and specifically on their on their claims teams to be able to to be able to cope with that. So what we're looking at is in the technology is you know, can we use tech to help to help solve this problem on behalf of both the insured and the carriers. Okay. Uh, and we've developed some some technology that uses again AI and machine learning to interpret satellite images to understand and assess damage after these cat events. Um, so whilst we you know, we can't control the cat events clearly, but what we can do is help there be a, a, a better, more timely response. So if you're able to assess, as we do, we're able to assess you know, a storm has come through, which property has been damaged, what's the level of damage, and get on top of those claims immediately. So your tool must be finding insights almost first ahead of when they're clearly apparent and particularly in something like climate change, which is which is occurring as we speak, right? Climate change is in the process of kind of rolling out, if you will. We can't sit here now and say, "Boy, I wonder what, I wonder how what this is going to look like four hundred years from now." We're concerned about what it's going to look like fifteen years from now. We're in the middle of it, and so is your tool digesting all this data and information. And coming up with insights almost ahead of the game, ahead, certainly ahead of the people. Yeah, there, so there are tools that will will have a sort of prospective view on where storms might come in the future. That's that's not us. Um, we're, we're solving a very in, in the in the case of property, we're solving a very immediate problem, which mm-hmm. is you know, as a, as an insurer, if you insure properties and a storm comes through, I want to be able to serve the policyholders better. I want to be able to get on top of those claims yeah, before the policyholders um, uh, contact me. I want to be able to get on there before a contractor has, has, has maybe got them to assign, assign the benefits to them yeah, so they don't get claims inflation. So what we're doing is using satellite imagery and other aerial imagery to assess, you know, hey, a hurricane came through this, this town. I want to know there are 50,000 homes in this town. I want to know which ones of those homes are damaged so I can do something about that. So that's what this tool is doing is within 24 hours is making that assessment. What about markets? So you're currently over in the in the England market, right? Over in Europe there a little bit. Yep. What other markets are you currently serving? So we, we're trying to be a global organization. Clearly, you know, we're a, a relatively small UK company. So the property side of our business came through an acquisition of a Boston-based company called Spark Insights. Okay. Uh, and that we've really used Spark, uh, Spark that's now called... Uh, Quest is our is our property product brand name, so it's called Quest Property. Um, so we're using that as our springboard into the U.S. market. Although I have to say, most of our customers are international, anyhow. 
Yeah. Right. We've been we've been selling them out of London into the US and into Asia. So I would say about 25 customers, probably five to 10 of them operate on an international basis. So mm-hmm. is, is the US property market a goal for you to actually sell your product to the insureds who really, you know, the carriers who really focus on the property market in, in the US? It absolutely is. You know, you haven't got a, you haven't quite got a, uh, an exclusive on hurricanes, but you do seem to have a majority vote on them these days. Yeah. We so. do. They seem to uh, enjoy our, our coast. Mm-hmm. I think that's really, really big. What, what really interests me was how you said it, it goes in and it starts selecting, you know, all these people want rates and your technology can say, Hey, out of these 100, you know, these are the ones you need to look at first. Yep. And these are the ones that we think that you ought to quote. And I think for a lot of the startups, you know, a lot of our listeners are, are insured techs and they're working with, with carriers to get out there and they're always looking for tools. So I think this is a really impressive company, if you ask me. Well, I would, I would agree wholeheartedly. Um, so, <laughs> but, but I think that's no doubt. <laughs> no modesty there. Um, <laughs> <laughs> if you look into the MJ market now, and I think you you know you have to have some magic in there. You have to you it's yeah. me and MJ. These says you have to have some mastery of data, and yes. you have to have a, a differentiating differentiating view. And our our pitch to the MJs is that you know, we provide that analytics capability, and actually, and all the statutory reporting you need to make on the side of it as well. So oh, that's so nice. yes, yeah. Do you have MJs or come to you and say, you know what, we're interested in this small little piece of the market. Can you help us to gain insight there? Uh, we absolutely do. So we have companies come to us that want to say, for example, write some innovative cargo. Uh, and you know, can we use can we use your data and analytics to do that? So yes, we absolutely do. We, we, we believe that we facilitate you know, growth of markets. I had written down a note here about ethical AI, about why embracing ethical AI is critical for insureds. What is ethical AI? If you look at uh, AI for something like you know, facial recognition, um, okay. you need you need to make sure that there's no there's no there's no bias in it. Um, I see. In our market, when whenever you use AI or machine learning, you know if I always cut to the conversation with the regulator. If at the end of the year the regulator comes to you and says, "Hey, why did you write that risk at that price?" If your answer is because the algorithm told me to, you have a whole <laughs> host of problems. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So so what you actually need is is ethical and explainable AI. You need to understand why the decision, why did the algorithm get to the decision that it did? Yeah. What were the factors that it took into consideration and can it be explainable? So there's a lot of talk about black box algorithms and those sorts of things. And I'm really not a fan of that. So we, you know, we invested to make sure heavily to make sure that everything our algorithm did was explainable. So you, you, as an underwriter, you understand why that price is that price. What are the factors that, 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 that get there? And so when you, when you look at some of the AI, it doesn't have that explainability. And so, so I don't think that that is, is ethical to use at that point. And you're not going to get, you're not going to get past some of the state regulators, especially if you go into things like motor, et cetera. You need to be able to, to, to understand it. Um, yeah. So. Yeah, I think there's a there's a lot of work a lot of the tech companies have got to do to make sure that their AI is explainable, ethical, you know, d- dependable, and and doesn't create these sort of random corner cases that you go, well, that just doesn't seem to make any sense. Absolutely. So, yeah, I mean, we've seen that in certainly in our country, most easily seen in social media, or certainly also yeah, in the popular media. I mean, I mean, social media is still trying to get their arms around it. 
I think, right? And so why would that be any different for you in your work? No, I don't think, I don't think it is any different. Uh, and, you know, if you're an underwriter, well, at the end of the day, week, year, whichever, you're going to be held accountable to your results. So you need to know why, why, why decisions are being made. I thought it understood, but it <laughs> clearly didn't. Well, but yeah, you're, you're absolutely right. But the, the irony is if you go to underwriters and say, hey, why did you price it that way? Yeah, these days, without these tools, they'll go, what well, do you know how to gut feel? Yeah, I felt good about it. Yeah, it felt like a good risk. What does that mean? Yeah, yeah that, <laughs> that, that can't, that, that, you know, there's a bias in everybody. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and, and, and so that just didn't, doesn't work. But you know, when it comes to implying algorithms, we're held to a higher standard than the, than the individuals. So are you using this in the auto market at all? I know you, you primarily are in ocean-going vessels. Uh, are you using the auto market? Because here in the United States, I'm sure around the world, telematics has grown tremendously. Yep. And we've actually had people on the podcast who've said that the, the problem with telematics is, is that, they, that they're not necessarily effective in properly rating a policy. Are, are you guys working in that? And can you talk about that for a minute? Sure. We, so, so we do work in the uh, automotive area, but we only work in commercial fleets. Mm -hmm. um, we, we, had, we, had, we, had a, we had a dabble into, um, into personal lines, but it wasn't really a market. It's a very, very busy market. Um, mm -hmm. Sure. Uh, so we, so we, work in, we work in commercial fleets, again, to understand the behavior of the, the trucks uh, and how that, how that correlates to, to, to risk and claims, et cetera. Mm -hmm. the, the, principles, the principles move from one to the other quite seamlessly. Mm -hmm. Sure. Is it hard to break into the to the London market who's been doing insurance for so many centuries? Is it hard to go in there and say, hey, we have new data, we have a new way to think about it, or is the market hungry for this? Are they looking to be better at what they do? I, I got asked the question once was, did I ever meet any resistance when introducing this technology into the London market? Uh, my answer to that was, Resistance, not much. No, outright rejection, quite a lot. One hundred percent. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. It was literally we just we just bounced straight out. You know, uh, yeah. and I mean, I, t I tell this. My my first presentation was called the end of insurance bracket, as you know it. Yeah. Oh yeah. In I didn't get invited back from that one. Uh, the second <laughs> it one was, was it was indeed the, yeah. it was the end. Of the yeah, absolutely. The right second there. I thought I need more technology in this pitch. Obviously, the second one was called robo underwriting. Didn't get invited back from that one either. No, um, I would not think and, so. But, so, but so, you said, like you said, you know, underwriters for a long time, I mean, yeah, had a gut feeling that this was a good risk. I mean, at the end of yeah. the day, they had to kind of look at all the data themselves. and Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. but it wasn't a very unprofitable world, right? It's been pretty profitable. But I think with the changes that the world has gone through with all the new technologies, the gut feeling, it's not the same, right? You don't have the, 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 the ship cells going down the same path everything's different. There's so yeah, many so variables. You're, you're, you're spot on. So, so the, you know, the breakthrough for us came, uh, actually, I read a, what was quite an old book called um, Unlimited Wealth by a guy called Paul Zane Pilzer. He's a US economist. And he talked about a thing called a ready-to-implement technology. The classic example of a ready-to-implement technology is a, is a word processor. You know, just lift your fingers off your typewriter. I'm going to put a word processor underneath your fingers. Type the same way. You get immediate benefits. You can want two copies. I can print it. You want to make a mistake? You can mm -hmm. change it. Yeah. So what we need realized that what we needed to do was to, to just slot our technology into the working process and the working practice of the market, right. which meant we needed to – I hate to say it was, I was going to say dumb down, but we needed to slow down some of the – the technology a bit and say, actually, you still can negotiate the deal the same way. You can still broke it the same way. 
Yeah. But what we're going to do is we're going to give you more insight and more knowledge and more explanation about that risk than you ever had. So yeah, a, you had to a, make it adoptable. Absolutely. Not, absolutely. It's not about what's technically possible. It's right. what's about adoptable. And so when we think about a broke, yeah, when being placed business the, in a half hour conversation, the first 15 minutes is, is, hey, Bill, how are you? How's your wife? Have you still got that place in France? And then tell me about this risk. Now it's, hey, Bill, how are you? How, how's your wife? Have you still got the place in France? And then this, it, it's, hey, listen, I've seen that business you've put by me. Can you tell me why they've had a trading pattern change in the last three years? Yeah. So they, it changes the second half of the conversation, but not the first half. So they're, they're still very interactive. They can still negotiate the deal, but they get a ton more into get a ton more value yeah, with almost no effort at all. And that, that made a huge difference. Andy, I want to ask you, about the future with this and uh, and where you see it all going is 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 this something that is I mean obviously it's very important and you think it's very important but I mean how, how do you how do you look at that out as you view out on the industry and its importance it's it's inevitability for the future sure so uh, I, uh, I we worked with um, a, a large consulting firm uh, and we created a two by two which had you know capital effectiveness on one axis and operating efficiency on the other. And when I went to the bottom left of that two by two, I ended up with today's market. And the future market, which is the top right, for me was all risk is going to be algorithmically assessed and it's going to be digitally traded. Um, and you know, I've, I've fully hardened in my belief there. You know, I've, I developed my pithy phrase that you know, in the future, there'll be two types of insurer. There'll be those that use all of this data and, and all the algorithms to, to make better decisions. And then there will be those that used to exist. <laughs> the point being is you can choose, you, you have a few choices to make as a carrier. You can choose to like this or not like it. You can choose to adopt it or not adopt it. But you can't choose for it to happen or not happen. That's not in your gift, that decision. So the only question you've got is, do I take it, do I adopt it early and maybe a bit too soon? Uh, I mean, it might cost me a bit too much money or do I do leave it late and risk the entire company? But, mm -hmm. but, the, but the market is going digital. The market is, is got way too much data and you can't scale it manually. So, so it's, this is not an optional change. It's only the only decision you, you have to make is when, when, when you want to make this shift. Well, that must be good to be in a, in a provider of something that, that is uh, increasing in its ubiquitousness, if you will, right? I mean, it's, it's, it's everywhere and it needs to be everywhere. Absolutely, yeah. Uh, uh, it, it, it does need to be everywhere. And, you know, um, it's good to one of our earlier points is you know, we're living in a world where massive amounts of data is coming together. Uh, and right. you, just can't pro you just can't process it manually. That's just a, that's a losing battle. It's going to help people make more money, but is it going to help make the world a better place? It, it's not better, you know. So we live in a world where, every, where something goes wrong, we need to blame someone. Uh, uh, 100%. So, welcome, yeah. to the, welcome to America. I mean, that's how exactly. it is here. There's no such thing as an accident. No, insurance is, is an essential industry now. And I think that the world of data uh, is opening up massive opportunities for insurance and the insurance product. I'm really excited about it. Yeah. It's much the same as, I think what happened, that all of this data and technology came together in the gambling industry. They created in-play betting. 
So Tiger Woods teed off this morning for the Masters. I can now place a bet. Is he going to put this next shot in the in the sand or not, or on the green? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Nobody invented betting. Nobody invented calculation of odds, etc. But the technology facilitated new bets, effectively that could be placed and made money out of. This same data is having the effect on the insurance industry. Is the insights are going to create new insurance products that may not be annual risks. They may not be annual policies. Yeah. But it's creating new insights to what's going on in the world. Yeah. And people want, as you say, people want to blame someone. Yeah. It's, it's said that 90% of the world's risk is uninsured. That's because we haven't created the products to cover it yet. So this yes. is a, there's a massive opportunity uh, on, on with this technology and data to create new and exciting and innovative insurance products. Um, fascinating. So, so I, I'm, wow, I'm really, really excited about it. Let me just ask you, as 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 we wrap this up, do you have a U.S. office, or or would we, people reach you through your London office? They, they, we have an office out in Boston, so you can reach us out of there. You can reach me just with a simple, great thing about being a founder is I get an easy email address, andyatconsiderus.com. It's the easiest one ever. Yeah, so you can easiest one ever. Yeah, yeah, you can find your way to us there. But but no, we we are we we welcome all challenges. We've had companies call us up and say, hey, listen, you know, can you help us with this area? I'm like, yeah, you tell me what data you'd like to know. We've always found a way to get it. Unfortunately, we're out of time, but we, I mean, there's so many parts and pieces of, of your company and what you do that we haven't even covered yet today. And so maybe at some point in the future, as things continue to develop, we'd, we'd love to have you back and talk about it some more. I mean, we, we haven't even really talked about where you, how you get your hands on all that data. No worries. So we'll do we'll do a sequel. Sequels are always are always better, aren't they? Yeah. Well, they make more money. Yeah. There you go. Yeah. Thanks so much for being with us. Fascinating company. Fascinating work. And for Lee and I, honestly, one of the best parts of doing this podcast is just like today, like where we learn whole new things about whole different things that are going on than where we usually spend where we spend our time for a living. And so uh, we're very grateful and and really glad that this happened. Thanks, Andy. It's a genuine pleasure. Thank you. Thank you, Andy. Lee, that was the kind of episode that we've, that we kind of built this podcast for, right? It was. It was technology and insurance that many people don't even know about, but mm-hmm. it's a game-changing technology mm-hmm. that that insurers around the world are mm-hmm. using. That's exactly mm-hmm. what we built this podcast for. Right. And applied to a market that we don't usually talk about or yeah. work in or have much uh, uh, visibility to. Uh, fascinating, you know, shipping and, and, and whatnot. Um, I agree. Very, very interesting. And, and, you know, it is making the, the, the news here recently. We've heard about a lot of ships that have had fires Correct. or wrecks. Correct. You know, all of us are in problems now because of the Suez Canal. And so it really does affect us. So insurance in that, in that industry is a, is a big deal. And I'm glad that we were able to talk to Andy. And, and, you know, that was one of the things that I wanted to ask him. I wanted to ask him, you know, that's a really interesting. How many ships are there in the world out there running around? Not little boats like, you know, Passenger, actual cargo things, vessels, but like cargo, big boats, and um, more than we think. So we'll put it out there: if you are one of our great listeners and you know how many ocean-going vessels are out there floating around in general, and you have the answer, email it to us at FNO InsureTech. And if if you're the first person to do that, and you're right, we have a special FNO surprise for you. Yes, we do. Mm-hmm. That's right. That's it's exciting. Right. Can't, tell, can't tell you what it is because we don't know yet. But I'm telling you right now, Al, it doesn't count. Don't do it, Al. 
yeah, yeah. Al, uh, uh, no um, employee. No, yeah, no, no employee gift. Yeah. Right. Thank you, Andy Yeoman. What a pleasure to have you. And thank you to everybody out there. And thank you to the people at Concirus who put Andy up to this. And um, we thank you, as always, for being our loyal listeners. And so we'll say to you this. Goodbye, everybody. <laughs>